Well, good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. There's one person that's... Yeah, there we go. Thank you. We... I, I literally, just before I came out on the platform, I went back to our light booth back there to make sure that there was more than one person here. I mean, I am so, so proud of you being in here. You know what? Your being here means that you understand you live in Michigan, it's winter, and once in a while, it'll snow. What is wrong with people? It's crazy. It's like, oh, there's a snowflake. What are you, from Georgia or something? <laughs> crazy. But thank you for being here. So thrilled that you're here. And I, I actually love it when it snows. I love the drive in the snow. And, and uh, in fact, it's, it makes life more exciting. I feel like I'm on the Indianapolis Speedway, even though I'm only going like 40 or 45 because you're going three. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm having to find ways to go around you and plow around. It's just a a lot of fun. But thank you for being here. If you're a guest, thanks for being at Northridge. We hope that this is a marked moment in your life. We're in a a very important series right now. I mean very important. And the metaphor of the prison is perfect because the series is called Breaking Out. Breaking Out. And the, the whole idea is that Jesus came. He says it in himself. Jesus came to set us free, to give us freedom. And even if we're externally bound in an external prison, we can be free inside. We don't have to be held captive. We don't have to be in bondage anymore. We can truly live the life that we were designed to live. But the truth is that even though Jesus came to set us free, most people aren't experiencing that freedom. They're allowing the realities that we will experience in this world to hold them back, to keep them from claiming the life, the the potential that Jesus has given them. And so this series so important because it's, it's about learning how we can break out and experience that freedom. And this weekend, we're addressing an issue that most of us usually don't tag as our issue. We kind of skirt around it. In fact, we see this issue as being other people's issue. It's loneliness, And very seldom do I hear people saying, you know, in the normal sway of life that, boy, loneliness is my issue. Loneliness is holding me back. We talk about hurts and we talk about many of the other issues this series is covering, but, but not loneliness. But loneliness is, I believe, a foundational problem in all of our lives that's holding us back, whether we've tagged it or not, whether we understand it or not. And here's why we have to address it. Loneliness, when we experience it, is one of life's harshest prisons. It it really does trap us. It really does hold us captive. It really does put us in bondage. It really does keep us from experiencing freedom in life. It's a very dark reality that we experience. In fact, I I don't have to tell you this. You've heard of solitary confinement. I mean, this idea of putting someone in a place where they'll experience aloneness is considered a punishment even in a prison context. It's considered a torture to isolate them from any kind of human interaction. Aloneness is a harsh prison. Psalm 25 verse 16 says, Turn to me and be gracious to me, God, because I'm lonely and thus afflicted. It really is a bondage. Psalm 88.18 is a, a verse that paints the metaphor of aloneness that I can so relate to. It says, you've taken my companions and my loved ones from me. There's no one that, that's naturally caring for me, and there's no one to naturally share with. There's no one that's longing to be with me. I mean, I'm, I'm all alone. And so this is the metaphor. The darkness is my closest friend. I mean, that, 
I just think that paints a picture of what aloneness is. The darkness is my closest friend. It doesn't really get much worse than that. And what we need to understand, and I think one of the reasons that we don't often tag this as our problem, is that we, we think of aloneness as having no people around us, but that's just not true. You see, loneliness is more than being alone. Loneliness is the absence of and the intense longing for the companionship of people who really care for us, who, who share with us and we share with them. And they long to be with us as much as we long to be with them. And the truth is that we can be in a huge crowd of people and still have no one that cares for us or to share with or that longs to be with us or at least sense that that's true. Aloneness. We found a story of a, of a young lady. In fact, her name's Jackie Turner. She's a 26-year-old woman from California, and she did something that I think was, was extremely creative, very unique, but it really shows how alone she felt in this world, even though she was surrounded by people. She posted a Craigslist ad offering to rent a mom and dad for the holidays. Now, that's a wild Craigslist ad. You know, need a mom and dad for a holiday is willing to rent you. In fact, here's how her ad specifically read. I'm looking to rent a mom and dad who can give me attention and make me feel like the light of their life just for a couple of days because I really need it. And then she offered to pay the couple. It is Craigslist. She offered to pay the couple eight bucks an hour. (laughs) I mean, to be her mom and dad. I mean, that's how profoundly alone she felt in that moment. And there's, there's really good news in this soul story, this individual story, because Jackie didn't spend Christmas alone. As it turned out, there were so many offers to her ad, not for rent, not to to be paid, but because they just wanted to be in her life. There were so many responses. She had to shut down her Craigslist ad. The national media got attention on this, and she was on TV telling her story of, of, as a kid, being so abused that she left home and then was left alone on the streets to fend for herself and find a way for herself and made some bad choices and spent a little bit of time in jail, but then realized that she has just one life to live, and she's turned her life around, and and she went back to school. She's actually right now getting a 4.0, and she's trying to prepare herself for something in the future, but even though all this was going on, she still had this profound sense of aloneness. But this holiday, she spent it with a ton of people who came together in a makeshift family and invested in her. It was like a dream come true. And I love stories like that because it it shows that even though we feel no one cares for us, there's no one to share with, that we're all alone, that no one longs to be with us, that when someone really knows how alone we feel, they make themselves available. And that's what happened in her life. I mean, that's a good news story. But here's the problem. Bad news abounds because... There are millions of Jackie Turners, no, billions of Jackie Turners in the world right now who have that same sense of aloneness. And they are the people who work with us and who serve us at restaurants and help us in department stores. They're the people who, you know, help us to make deposits in the bank and they're the people who live next door to us and, and they're the people who live with us sometimes. Profoundly alone. But we don't know it. We're not looking. We're not paying attention. And so they don't know in the midst of a world that would care for them, they don't know that they're loved and cared for. 
we need to do something about that. But the reason we don't is often because if we're really, really honest, it's not just those people out there who are alone. It's us. I mean, in the midst of people all alone, right? I mean, this is a, this is a reality that we all face in life. Loneliness, loneliness isn't just the harshest prison in the world, but loneliness is a reality that every single one of us faces in life. And, and I have to tell you, even though I've been surrounded by people in my life, I know what it's like to be and feel profoundly alone. As Roxanne and I have, over the course of our lives, invested in others, I have had those seasons where I have felt like no one cared about us. And it hasn't happened so much, especially in recent years and seasons here at Northridge. But in the early days of our ministry, it was tough stuff. I mean, all alone, all alone, all alone. We can be successful and still be lonely. We can be married and still be profoundly lonely. In fact, I find that some of the loneliest people in the world are people who are married. There they are with someone they've committed their lives to and they feel like they're not cared for. They're not long to be with. And so in the midst of marriage, they pillow their heads and they feel like there's the great wall of China between them, like they're still all alone and it magnifies the aloneness. In a crowd of thousands here at Northridge Church in a gathering like this, we can feel alone. It's epidemic, really. In fact, during her life, Mother Teresa, who really did reach out and try to help some of the most hurting people in the world, she said the biggest disease today is not leprosy or cancer. It's the feeling of being uncared for, unwanted, of being deserted and alone. And no matter who we are or what we've done or how many people are around us, it can be something we face as well. It happened for Paul the Apostle. For those of you newer to the Bible, Paul the Apostle had been someone who actually despised Christ followers and then one day met Christ and became a Christ follower himself. One of the great Christ followers in the world wrote a, a good portion of the New Testament of, of the Bible and yet he experienced great aloneness in life. And I want to encourage you sometime this week to read 2 Timothy chapter 4 because he talks about it and I'll, I'll take a glance at it with you this weekend. Because he talks about being alone, something we all experience. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 16. He says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. I'm giving my life as a sacrifice for others. And yet, at my first offense, no one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. The prison is a great metaphor in speaking of Paul's story because for following Jesus, he got thrown in a prison, externally bound in prison, in chains. But... Though he was externally in prison, internally he never allowed himself to be put back in bondage. He wasn't going to allow anything to keep him from experiencing the freedom Jesus gave him within. And so though profoundly alone, he applied the remedies to it. And so in 2 Timothy 4, what we find is Paul experiencing the natural reasons for loneliness that all of us are going to confront, but then giving us, through his story, the natural remedies that we can apply to try and overcome them. And in the first part of this talk, that's exactly what I want to share with you. And hopefully you'll go deeper on your own later this week. But in 2 Timothy 4, we find that we're susceptible to loneliness during times of change. I mean, change creates a sense of loneliness. 
I've, I, I talk to kids. It never happened to me as a kid, but I've talked to kids whose parents have moved, you know, a long way away from where they were presently in school and presently in, in community with other people. And when a child is transferred like that, all of a sudden that change creates a sense of aloneness. All of, they're in a situation no one cares for them, no one to share with, no one longs to be with them. I mean, it's like alone. It happens to adults when they switch jobs or switch communities or, you know, move to Florida because they don't think winners for them. But times of change really do create aloneness. Paul was going through a time of change. It was a season of life that we'll all experience one day. He says in 2 Timothy 4, 6, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. He's actually talking about his death. Talk about a season of change when your life is winding down. You're in that final season of life. And have you, have you ever met people who are really wonderful people, sincere people, very valuable people, but as they start experiencing the change of life where they're starting to move towards their final season, they start getting angry and bitter and resentful and mean. I mean, I've met so many people who had been wonderful in their journey of life, but during the season of change when they're moving towards their death, they just become angry. Paul didn't allow that to happen. Even though he was unjustly in prison and even though he was coming to that season of life, he didn't allow himself to be put in that prison of aloneness. He overcame it. We need to learn from him. Times of change. Maybe you're in a time of change right now. Watch out for aloneness. There's another reason for loneliness that comes in our natural world and it's isolation. Paul experienced this one as well. Look at 2 Timothy 4, 9 and 21. Do your best to come to me quickly. Do your best to get here before winter. I mean, he, because he was in prison, because of his setting, because everyone had deserted him, I mean, he felt isolated and alone. And so he was trying to counteract that. And isolation will do that for us. And we're in a world of isolation here. I mean, think about how we live our lives. I mean, I mean think about how we do our homes I mean, not everyone has this circumstance, but a ton of people, we get in our car, we put our earbuds in so we don't have to be bothered by anybody in the world, and then we pull into our driveways and we hit a button and this big door goes up, right? And then we drive into this room built onto our house, and before we get out of our car, we push that button so the door comes down. God forbid one of our neighbors talks to us before we lock ourselves in our house. I mean, we really are cloistered off and isolated from the world. The way we design our workspaces sometimes is this way. The way we design our lives is this way. Isolation produces aloneness. It's a natural reason for it. Paul experienced it, and so will we. Another natural reason you're going to experience aloneness, it's going to happen to you, is because of conflict. And come on, we live in a world of conflict. Look at how it happened with Paul in 2 Timothy 4.14. Here he was trying to invest in people and help them to wake up to Jesus and people were fighting with him. It says, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. That's all we know about this guy. I like to say it this way, Alexander the metal worker, you know. It's that person that we're in conflict with. It's the person who's standing against us and conflict makes us have to stand against instead of stand with You know, it puts us on separate sides of the line. You know why marriage is sometimes one of the most loneliest places you can be in the world? Because marriage, as you're trying to weave the warp and woof of your two lives together, can be a place where conflict happens. It's natural. The more intimate relationships are trying to be, the more conflict's going to be there. Iron sharpens iron, and there are sparks involved. and, And that conflict can tend to get us standing against each other instead of standing with each other. And it's it just produces aloneness. We're going to experience it. 
And one last one is rejection. When we face down rejection and experience it, that abandonment that comes with it, I mean, it's a natural reason we're going to experience loneliness because it'll happen to us. Look at how it happened with Paul. 2 Timothy 4.10, For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. He poured his life into Demas, and Demas just stabbed him in the back and took off. We already read how everyone in his life deserted him during his time of greatest need. And that rejection is a reason for loneliness. Remember, we long to be cared for. Rejection says you're not cared for. We long to share. Rejection doesn't give us that opportunity. We long to have people who want to be with us. And rejection says we're not worth being with. It just leaves us in this island of aloneness. And it happens to all of us. I mean, some of you have gone through divorce. Talk about rejection that makes you feel alone. Some of you have gone through job losses, given yourself faithfully to a corporation that just sent you out the door. We've been betrayed by friends, by circumstances. Some of you feel betrayed by God. You haven't been, but you feel that way, and rejection makes you feel all alone. Now, Paul gives us some natural remedies. It's a good thing because, you know, if I was going to go any further with the reasons for loneliness, I mean, we'd all, you know, start needing to take some drugs or something. I mean, it's like, ugh. We'd move to Colorado where they've legalized the opportunity to cover up our problems, you know, that kind of deal. But come on. It's a joke. But here's the thing. Paul gives us some true remedies that we can apply. The first remedy he gives us in 2 Timothy 4 is that we should intentionally seek to get with people who care about us. I put it in the outline, get with friends and family, but... A lot of times we don't have natural friends and family. Family doesn't accept us like they should, but we can intentionally build relationships that are like friend and family relationships. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.9, it's exactly what he did. Though he had been rejected by his family, he built relationships with others, and he says, look it, I'm all alone here. Do your best to come to me quickly. Only Luke is now with me, so get Mark and bring him with you. So he's saying, Timothy, I need you to come, and I need you to join Luke with me, and I need you to bring Mark, and, and, and together you guys will help to counteract this aloneness I'm experiencing. He, he said, I've got to be with people who care about me. I mean, as strong as he was, he needed people who cared about him around him, and the same is true with us. This is a big deal. But you know why he had these people? It wasn't because they were natural relationships. It was because he had invested in them. We do groups around here. We, we really push groups around here, not because we want you in our groups, but because we want to make sure you're building relationships that will help you stand during the tough times so you'll never be alone. We need these kind of relationships. Get with family or friends, with people who care about you. You know, another natural remedy is we need to invest our time wisely. I think when we're experiencing the prison of loneliness, sometimes we, we really go into our shell and we, we waste time. We just waste time. Instead of using that time to try and build our way out of it, build other relationships and build ourselves, well, Paul invested time wisely. Even though he was in prison, even though he felt abandoned alone, he didn't then become a, a self-pityer. Instead, he invested himself forward. Look at 2 Timothy 4.13. When you come, bring my coat. He needed some personal things, but, but bring my scrolls and especially the parchments. I, I need... I need God's word in my life. I need the scriptures, and I need those special books who speak into my life and that can help me grow. And he says, I'm going to invest my time wisely. I have time. Instead of just wallowing in self-pity, I'm going to invest myself wisely. I'm going to keep growing, and he did. And because he kept growing, he was able to help us grow, even 2,000 years later. It was during the time that he was in prison that he wrote many of the books of the Bible. I 
mean, it's a pretty amazing deal. Jackie Turner was going to school, the story that we told, and I think it was neat that she started investing her time wisely. It doesn't totally cure loneliness, but it helps you move forward through it. It's pretty, pretty neat. Another natural remedy that he had was the reason he wasn't held bound in bondage by his loneliness is because he let go of his hurts and his disappointments. He, he let go of his hurts and disappointments. Do you know why loneliness is a reality we're all going to face? Because we're all going to face hurts and disappointments. And it just makes you feel abandoned and alone. Second Timothy 4.16, we've read this part. At my first defense, no one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. But look at the last part. May it not be held against them. What's he saying? Everybody deserted me. Everybody's hurt me. Everybody's disappointed me. Everybody's betrayed me, left me alone. But may it not be held against them. He's saying, I forgive them. I'm letting off the hook. Why did he do that? Because if we're going to overcome aloneness, we have to apply the remedy of forgiveness because holding on to resentment magnifies the sense of isolation and aloneness that it creates. I mean, you feel alone. You're, you're, you're focusing on your resentment. You're focusing on the fact that you've experienced someone not caring for you, and it magnifies that, and it makes you feel like the whole world's the same way. I bet you Jackie Turner felt like the whole world didn't care, but she found out with a little Craigslist ad there were a lot of people in the world that cared. He let go of his hurts and disappointments. He didn't let a few who had hurt him ruin his whole life. As well, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you hold on to resentment and you're focused on all the negative things that have happened to you, you don't become the happiest and nicest of people. I mean, how many of you are just searching for someone who's filled with resentment and anger and bitterness to hang out with? You know, let's, let's spend some time at Starbucks because I'm needing you to take me down. That's just not who we want to hang out with. And here's what happens. We keep focusing on these things of resentment and we feel more profoundly alone and we're creating around us an undesirability through our resentment that won't allow us to ever fix the problem. We've got to let go of our hurts and disappointments. We've got to get past them. And then finally, he, he also sought to help and encourage others. He changed his focus from his problems and his aloneness, his circumstances to helping others. He sought to help and encourage others. In 2 Timothy 4.17, in this period of aloneness, he said, I, I want for people through me to hear the message. I want to take the good news and the hope of Jesus Christ and fully proclaim it so that the Gentiles can hear it as well. Though he was in horrible circumstances, he invested his time wisely and he, he tried to seek to help and encourage others. And that's a big deal. You know, it works in two ways. When you seek to help others, it gets your focus off yourself. So you're no longer bound up by your aloneness. You know, when darkness is your only companion, you're, you're saying, no, there are others in this world. You're serving them. And there's something mystical that happens when you, when you try to seek to encourage someone else. It comes back on you. It's like, I've helped someone. There's this, there's this uplift of spirit. There's this encouragement that starts flooding you as you've started helping others. It really does change your circumstance in life. And so when you seek to help and encourage others, it can help to fix aloneness. It's a neat deal. And... Who doesn't want to be around a person who's always seeking to encourage you? It's a great way to build friendships because people want to be around Winnie the Pooh. People don't want Eeyore anywhere near them. That's my IQ level. I speak in cartoon. Now, at this point in the talk, uh, um, I have to make a sharp turn. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yank the steering wheel of this talk and I'm just going to make a 180 degree turn 
And I, I'm telling you this because I didn't want you to get whiplash. I didn't want you to get confused. I didn't want you to go, gosh, what, whoa, what just happened? And so we're going to make a huge turn and go in a very different direction because, to be honest, though everything I've talked about so far is true, it's from the Bible, it's valuable, it's valid, we need it, it's just not enough. Because, you see, we need more than these natural remedies for our loneliness. Loneliness is more than a natural problem. Loneliness is at its core a spiritual problem. And too many of us are trying to fix this very real problem with just natural remedies. And they are good and they're important and it's important to try and apply them. But you will never fix your spiritual problems by applying natural remedies. It will never work. And you'll start giving up on it because they don't work. And they don't if you don't fix the foundational issue. You will never resolve your spiritual problems through natural remedies. You must apply spiritual remedies, which leads us to this weekend's truth. We were never meant for loneliness. We weren't built for loneliness. We weren't designed for loneliness. We weren't equipped for loneliness. We were never meant for loneliness. It wasn't supposed to be a part of our reality. You don't maybe know this, some of you, but... In the very beginning when God created us, and you can read about it in Genesis chapter 1 through 3, that he, he actually created an interesting order. He created the whole world that is and light and dark and all that stuff. And then, and then he created man and woman, Adam and Eve. But he created them in an interesting order. He put Adam in the world first, and then a short while later he put Eve on the planet. And I've heard all kinds of explanations for this. I've heard some people say, yes, that's right. He created Adam first. He realized all the mistakes he made, and then he made the woman. And by the way, you'll never guess which gender has that concept. Yeah. But it's not why. I believe the reason that God created in that order was because he forever wanted to stamp in our soul that we weren't created for aloneness. In fact, he says it. After putting Adam in a perfect environment, it was still paradise, in a perfect relationship with God. Look what God says in Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. I'm going to make a partner in life for him. I'm going to make someone that he can walk through life with, experience closeness with. Aloneness isn't something we were made for. And yet we're experiencing aloneness. So if we were never meant for it, why are we experiencing it? I'm going to tell you it. It all boils down to one thing, our disobedience. Though we were made to experience love as our reality, love with God and love with others, disobeying God led to loneliness becoming our reality. Loneliness, aloneness, is our reality in this world. Now, disobedience is simply the way we should define the Bible word sin. Sin simply means we've disobeyed God. We've walked away from God. We've done life our own way. And in doing life our own way and disobeying God, we have created for ourselves something we were never meant to experience, loneliness. It's our reality. And it's our reality because of a twofold consequence. The first consequence is because of our disobedience of God, we have been separated from God. Our disobedience separated us from God, which has left us unbelievably lonely. Look at Isaiah 59 too. It describes in simple terms why. But your iniquities, speaking of your transgressions, your disobedience, have separated you from your God. 
He's perfect. You're not. You can't have anything to do with him. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Disobeying God separated us from him. And if you read in Genesis chapter 3, they literally, though, were in paradise, meant to walk with God. They had to leave paradise. They no longer could walk with God. This is a big deal because God created us, body, soul, and spirit. He created us to experience him within. Our spirit was meant to be in constant relationship with his spirit, this constant communion where we would experience life and love and peace and everything only God can give us because he was always there. We were never meant on the inside of our life to be alone. We were meant to be alive because we were connected to and experiencing God's love. But when we disobeyed God, that was gone. Separated from God alone alone. Now the voice in our head is our own voice, and it's messed up. Aloneness. But it also led to another catastrophe that leaves us feeling alone. We were meant never to be lonely, never to be meant to be in life without community with other human beings, and yet we are. Why? Because when we disobeyed God and lost our connection with him, we lost our connection with others. It separated us from others. It literally put a wall between us and others. Meant to walk with them, but no longer could we walk in this kind of oneness. Look at Genesis 3. We'll just read it right from the story where it happened. So they disobeyed God. And God comes down and he says, have you eaten? He's talking to the man. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now, can I just stop there for a minute? That's a yes, no question. Did you eat from the tree? You know, I gave you free will. There's only one thing I told you not to have, not because you needed it, but because you need to choose me or else we really don't have a relationship. Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? Yes or no? But look what God, look what the man said. Well, the woman you put here with me. You know that naked babe you put in the garden that I can't take my eyes off? She said, put some fruit in her hand, and I'm telling you, next to her body, it looked really good. And I ate some. By the way, this is the way I make the Bible interesting. I'm just telling you. It's like, she gave some fruit to me from this tree, and I ate it. I mean, talk about separation. Talk about aloneness, because now, no relationship with God, no relationship with her. Because think about it. It's both revealed there. Who's he blaming for his problem? God! If you hadn't put the naked babe in the garden, I would have been good. And we do the same thing in our life. We make choices that eliminate the life that God breathed into us, and we blame him. That's exactly what Adam was doing. And then we blame each other. And blame never draws people close to us. Blame always pushes people away from us. These people might have slept in a king-sized Tempur-Pedic together, but it wasn't a comfortable experience. Because they were at war. There was conflict here. And so when we disobeyed God, we were separated from God, which left us inside all alone. And then we were separated from others, which left us outside all alone, which left us in the prison of aloneness. And this is where we are by nature. But here's the good news. Just as the Jackie Turner story has so much good news because she learned that there are people in this world who will love me for me. So we need to realize that God will love us 
no matter who we are or what we've done. In fact, this is where the story turns good because Jesus came to remedy our problem. Jesus came to make love our reality once again. Jesus came to reestablish love, what we were created to experience, our reality again. That's why he came. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 39. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which we've been separated from for so long, but now nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. He made it possible for us to once again experience the love of God that we were created to experience. No more aloneness. And then in 1 John four nineteen, he says, we love because he first loved us saying now that we've experienced the love of God and nothing separates us from that, now we can love each other. We're free to love each other like we were originally created to love each other. Jesus came to establish love as our reality, and yet too many of us are sitting in the prison of loneliness. Even though Jesus came to set us free, we're allowing loneliness to hold us back. Why? Because we have failed to take Jesus up on his offer. In fact, let me give you the application. If we're going to know and experience true freedom, the freedom Jesus came to give us, which is freedom from the prison of loneliness, we have to do two things to rectify the problem. The first thing we have to do is we have to connect to Jesus. We have to connect to him. It doesn't matter what he's brought us or who he is. If we don't connect, we don't experience it. And many of us don't connect with Jesus because religion has turned us off to him. Religion with its rituals and its rules and its disappointments has proved that it doesn't care for us, that, that we can't share with it without getting blasted or condemned, that it doesn't long for us. It just wants something from us, not for us. And so we've just said, if that's Jesus, we don't want him. But that's not Jesus. That's religion. Jesus understands our loneliness and can relate to it because when he left heaven and came to earth, he experienced it in profound ways. Do you know, while on earth, just as he was going towards his crisis of the cross, Everyone he loved, everyone he invested in turned their back on him? I mean, come on. Rejection, isolation, aloneness. He knew what it was like to stand alone. He relates. But you know, there are people I've met who relate to the aloneness I've experienced and can, can commiserate with me and empathize with me, but they can't help me. They understand, but they can't help. But Jesus can do something about our aloneness because, you see, Jesus on the cross experienced the ultimate reason we're so alone. He experienced separation from God the Father. Maybe you've had a hard time working through the meaning of this, but when Jesus was nailed to the cross, rejected by everyone, separate and alone, nailed to the cross, then he screams out these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What happens in that moment? Not only does the world turn its back on him, but the Father turns his back on him. Why? Because you see, the consequence of sin is aloneness. You want to know what hell is ultimately going to be like? For those who don't put faith in Jesus, it's going to be aloneness. No community with others, no community with God, and darkness forever. Darkness will be our only companion. And what did Jesus experience on the cross? Hell for me and hell for you. Aloneness. And why did God forsake him? So that God would never have to be separated from us again. When we connect with Jesus in his death and his burial and then his resurrection, we have paid for the aloneness we deserve and we have gifted to us the love we were created for. But we have to connect with him. 
Look at how he says it in John 8, 34 to 36. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins becomes a slave to sin. Sin becomes your companion. Disobedience becomes your identity and all that comes with it in the prison of loneliness. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family. No longer do you have people who genuinely care about you and long for you. But a son, now that is someone who belongs to the family forever. And then he says, if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Free to do what? Free to once again experience the love of God you were designed for. Free again to experience the love of others that you were designed for. Free to no longer be alone is a part of it. We were made not to know about the table of God, but to sit at it. And Jesus made it possible for us. But we have to connect with him. How? Look at John 1.12. But as many as received Jesus... Not religion, not communion, not baptism, not catechism, but as many received Jesus, put their faith, their belief, their trust in his name and what he did, they get the gift of becoming children of God. You looking to cure loneliness? You need God in you, and the only way to get God in you is to open the door of your life to Jesus. And so just before I finish this talk with the final principle, I'm going to ask if you just honor the moment, just silent yourself in the moment and honor us by praying with me. Would you do that? Just praying with me. And if you're watching Northridge On Demand, I just encourage you to pray with us as well. And I encourage you to join with me in this prayer. If you've never opened your life to Jesus and become a part of his family, not religious, in a relationship with God, pray with me. Take the words of my prayer, but make them the expression of your heart to God. Just, just say, God, in this moment, I want to receive Jesus. I'm putting my faith in his name because I need to be your child again. I've sinned against you. I've disobeyed you, and I know that's left me separate from you and separate from others. But Jesus on the cross made it possible for you to forgive me. And I'm trusting you to do just that. And when he rose again, it was to give me new life. And I'm asking you to come into me and give me that life. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before I throw down the final thought of this talk, I just really encourage you, if you just prayed with me, please let us know. We've put together a bit of information that can help you take some next steps that are relevant in building your relationship with God. We just need to know you prayed with me. And so in the program, if you're in one of our live services, we put this connection card you can rip out, fill it out, and check that circle that says, Today I prayed to receive Jesus. And in all of our live environments, you know, we're one church in three locations. There are boxes right outside the auditorium, the gathering area. Throw it in there. We'll do the rest. We'll send you the information. And if you're watching Northridge On Demand online, just hit what next, and we'll do the same for you. But now, the second thing. If we're going to ultimately be free from loneliness, once we connect with Jesus, look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. God says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Makes sense. No one's ever seen God. You're not going to see God uh, while on this planet. But if we love one another, if we're showing the love that only He can put in us, then God is living in us and His love is made complete in us. What God broke when we disobeyed God? Our relationship with God and our relationship with others. Too many of us are trying to fix the problem of aloneness by just fixing the relationship with God, but we're not taking it to the step of fixing our relationship with others. And because of that, we're not experiencing God's love complete in us. 
Because it's not good, remember, for us to be alone. You want to experience God's love and its completion, then you have to, once you connect with Jesus, then connect with others. Connect with them. Build relationships with them. Invest in them. Serve them. Be served by them. Because in that connection, we truly experience the fullness of God's love. It's where we see it in action. Jesus was asked one time what the greatest command was, and he couldn't give just one. He says, you want to know what the greatest command is? It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. But you need to know this. You can't do that without doing the other. You need to love others as you love yourself. What got broke when we disobeyed God was the love of God and the love of others. What gets fixed when we connect with Jesus is the love of God and love for others. And that's why we need to connect with each other. And when we do, we walk out of the prison cell And we experience what Jesus said he came to give us. Life and life to the full. Freedom. But the choice is ours. Now, next weekend, we're going to continue in the series Breaking Out. And I just want to give you a word to the wise. We're going to call next weekend a PG-13 weekend. All right? PG-13. We have kids' ministries here, and they are awesome. And you're going to want to put your kids in kids' ministry next week unless you want to have discussions you might not want to have with your children. Because in the series of Breaking Out, one of the things that we have to overcome is this lust we have to have so much that God has told us not to have, not to pursue. We fill our life with lust for money and lust for pleasure for sure, but lust sexually can become one of the most destructive powers in our life and we're going to look at that next week and we're going to be honest about it and so it's a PG-13 weekend you come, your kids come but you go to different places it will be an awesome time thanks for being here, make the choice to be free see you next time